Hey you, are you overspending? According to Acorn's 2018 Money Matters report, the average American spent $1,100 per year on coffee. Yikes. Do you have any idea how much you spent on coffee last month? What about last year? Any clue on how much you'll be spending in the next 12 months? The worst is that 40% of those surveyed in that Money Matters report reported that they spend more money on coffee than saving for their investments. So today we're talking about budgets. Budgeting your finances isn't necessarily fun or exciting. It sure isn't something that you want to spend more time than you need to. But today we're cutting the chase so you can spend your time and money wisely. Hey, Money Geeks. This is the Money Bagel Show. We're a community of financial nerds who want to make smarter financial decisions and get an accelerated path to financial freedom. Today's show is about budgeting and how by developing and committing to a budget, you can take control of your spending. If that's something that you aren't doing, then you should listen up. If you're a dedicated budget master, stay tuned. You might learn some new tips. I'm Gabe Kaplan. I'm a certified financial planner and a CPA running a specialized fee-only advisory firm in New York City. And my sole purpose is to help you make smarter money decisions. Today's show is a special one. First, we'll go through some of the basics of budgeting. Then we will dive deeper into budgeting with my good friend and special guest, Brett Latcher. Brett works in finance, specifically in private equity, and is one of the smartest folks that I know. He is really well organized. And so I wanted to talk to him about budgeting and the conversation gave me a couple of new ideas. And that's not all. We'll talk about some of the apps that could help you get better at budgeting, some of the technology. Then we will answer questions from our listeners and still leave time for my wife's favorite part of the show, which is our trivia. But before we begin, we have to remind our folks about our disclaimer. You shouldn't take advice from people who don't know anything about you. That includes me. I don't know anything about you. I don't know what your goals are, nor your financial situation. I would never presume to give you advice. I only give advice to clients that I work with as a fiduciary. So remember, everything I say here is just helpful hints and education. Before you make any decisions, make sure you consult with the people that matter in your life. But also talk to your legal advisor, you talk to your financial advisor, and talk to your tax advisor. Everyone tells you to do this and to do that, but nobody knows you as well as your team. With that, let's talk about the basics of budgeting. In the context of financial planning, a budget is a holistic overview of your month-to-month income and expenses. A budget allows you to strategize your expenses and ultimately it helps you manage your finances responsibly. So what are the benefits of having a budget? A, it helps you to live within your means and avoid debt, which in turn helps you to understand where your money is going. But for many, it serves as a way to relieve the stress of financial uncertainty. It helps you make the most of your income by aligning your discretionary and fixed spending budgets to your goals. And it helps avoid some unlucky surprises. So I can't understate the importance of having a budget. Aligning your financial practices with financial goals is a powerful way to make those goals a reality. And putting together a great budget is the best way to get started. So let's dive into the weeds of how you can put a budget together. 
how do I get started with a budget? That's a common question I get. And there's usually two answers. It's either you start with monthly gross income or you start with take-home pay. Starting with take-home pay is much easier because it's a natural starting point. It's like, what do I get in the bank? But you might want to start with monthly gross income and input there all the deductions from your income. You know, it starts with there's feral tax withholding, usually. There's FICA withholding, so it's social security tax. And then there's a Medicare tax. There's usually some sort of state income tax withholding too. In most cases, you know, you're saving for your 401k or 403b, so they take out money from there too. And if you have health insurance, then there's a deduction for that too. The question whether to start with one or the other is actually more about taxes than anything else. And I ask you, do you have a firm handle on how much you will owe at the end of the year or how much your refund will be? And if you say yes, then by all means, go with take-home pay. But if you don't have an answer to that, then I suggest that you start with monthly gross income. Brett Latcher and I had a little discussion about that. And I don't remember exactly when in our conversation it popped up, but it's an important topic. Starting with your monthly gross income allows you to understand better your tax situation. So that is my gist about that. Then the second step is you categorize all your monthly expenses. But before doing so, you need to have a category map. And think very hard about what you want to have in that category map. Don't make it too extensive. Don't make it too simple. There's a nice balance in between that you need to achieve. So make sure you tag all the expenses as discretionary or non-discretionary, whether they're fixed or variable. Those are kind of like the four quadrants there. Then subtract all your expenses from your income, and then you get your net income or your savings, your ability to save. Take note of any special upcoming large lumps of expenses or lumps of income and reevaluate this budget every couple of months to make sure you're on track. The last step is reevaluate your expenses and savings to make sure that your practices align with your goals. And so take some time each month to categorize obviously your expenses, but also make sure that you're achieving your savings goal make sure that you regularly check in every couple of months to see that your budget and financial goals are aligning. And so that's all for the basics of budgeting. Now let's jump into the interview with Brett Latcher. Hi, Brett. How are you? Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Brett Latcher. I live here in New York City and work for a uh, small private equity firm. Great. What's your marital status? I am married filing jointly. <laughs> and you have dependents? I do. I recently did come to the fact that now I have a dependent. And how old is she? She is almost three months. That's awesome. And so today we're here talking about budgeting. We have you here specifically to give our audience kind of an idea of how other people budget and not just listen about me. So my question to you is, what do you do in terms of budgeting? I think in the last couple of years, as I've gotten married and now now have a uh, dependent child, I've gotten more into creating a pretty detailed budget. What I do is I have a uh, Excel sheet that is actually a template from my uh, business school that was provided that I thought was a helpful place to start. And so I think if you Google online, you can probably find sheets. You don't have to start from scratch. What I do is I calculate what I believe will be our annual income. I then calculate what I believe our estimated taxes will be. 
And then I kind of work down into major categories, whether that's, you know, as you think of kind of your pre-tax deductions around medical insurance, fixed costs related to your rent or car or utilities, and then more discretionary spending, you know, for meals, for groceries, et cetera. And, And now we also have a third category for the baby. Does the baby cost a lot? You know, the initial upfront cost was more than I expected, but now we're coasting a little bit. So So we're drinking here. What are we drinking here? Gabe's a big fan of mango jam beer, and I'm drinking a Lagunitas. That's awesome. Yeah, this mango jam beer. I got it recently at one of the beer specialty stores that Brett just showed me around. A great store. I mean, it has some great 600 beer selection. Yeah, it's amazing. That was a small deviation, but tell me something. Uh, what benefits has the budgeting done for you and for like the couple, right? Because you, sure. you know, I think that's a great point. I think two things. I'll, I'll answer in two ways. First is, uh, was the budgeting done for us collectively? I think it's been an incredibly helpful tool to understand big ticket items like, well, how much can I afford to spend to rent an apartment in New York City, which, you know, can be pretty expensive, depending on what that is. What would that mean for the rest of my life if I wanted to stretch or I wanted to try to save some money on my rent? And so I think it gives you a good perspective in that regard. The other thing I think it's been really helpful for from more of our relationship standpoint with my wife is by us having a budget and going through the process together and agreeing kind of top level what the budget should be. I think it takes away the fights that might happen with a lot of couples in terms of what can we spend, what can we not spend? Because instead of one of us being kind of the bad person, it's the budget that's the bad person that we both agreed to, right? The budget said that we can only spend X, you know, this month on food, right? That's a great point. They blame it on the budget. Yeah, it's not my fault. The budget said you can only go to one steak dinner. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think also for some people, it helps also relieve like the stress of financial uncertainty. So knowing in the future, like where they can stretch and what they can stretch. I think what's important is finding the right balance between some things you want to drill in and have good detail. So you want to be pretty specific in terms of like budgeting. What's my rent? What's my utilities? What's uh, maybe a car payment? What's a student loan? These are things that you should know almost to the cent, right? But then to back it out, I think what's helpful is when you have flexibility in your budget. So when you get more to discretionary things, so for example, my wife and I, basically we set an allowance for ourselves. And so we kind of get an allowance every month that's based on our budget and she gets it and I get it. But that is more a general amount. And so what's nice about that is then that gives me flexibility. So one month I want to do more shopping, you know, I can do that. Or if one month I want to go to more steak dinners or buy more beers with Gabe at the local beer store, you know, I kind of have that flexibility. So I think you don't want to drive yourself crazy trying to go too linear in some areas as you kind of create your budget. Yeah. I always also thought that you should have categories that align to your decision points. Let's say you have dining out as a line expense. You might also want to have a groceries as one. And so you can actually play with one and another when things get a little bit too expensive. So if you went out five times and you're starting to overspend and you're seeing this in your budget, then you can actually cut back on that and move money into groceries. I think just aligning your spending to some decision points on the line items of your budget is kind of important also. So having that flexibility in your budget. Obviously, like the fixed expenses, they're fixed. There's not much you can do about that. I think that's pretty important. And I think one of the other benefits that other people have said is that 
creating a budget really helps them to avoid unlucky surprises. And what we talk about that is just going through the process of budgeting. Sometimes you discover that you might owe taxes this year, and so you might budget for that. Yeah, and, and you know, look, I think we're in a fortunate position, but you know, I think it's important to try to always be conservative in your budget. And so try to round up on what you think the taxes are you might owe or what some other costs would be and you know, create a leftover bucket of just miscellaneous things that you might not think about that hit suddenly. Maybe you know, there's an extra maintenance on your car you have to do. So you don't want to get lost trying to map everything perfectly and get to kind of a zero dollar balance between what you think you're going to make and what you're going to spend. You, know, you want to leave some cushion for the unexpected. Yeah. Another question I have for you is like, do you have a savings target? We do. I mean, it's gotten been a little squeezed recently with the baby, but we try to do 401k. And I also do try to set aside money on a monthly basis to put away into savings. The way we do our budget, and I kind of was alluding to it earlier, it's almost like we have two budgets. We have kind of our overall budget and that's covering kind of our fixed costs, but then we each kind of have our own allowance budget that we get that we can spend however we want. And so I'm trying to save us money at the top level and that's more our savings, right? But then with my budget, the way we work is we have the freedom over that. So I try not to spend quote unquote my allowance every month. And so, you know, maybe that could be savings for later. That could be savings for like an upcoming trip. Oh, so, so trips, usually you put them in your allowance. We save some money towards trips. We could splurge a little bit more, right? Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Or maybe I almost would like the flexibility of like maybe some of the things we don't have to tap into our common funds. So we, we could save a little bit more. If I could spend a little bit less myself and maybe paid for the trip or part of the trip, that could be more savings at the end of the year that we could go into our savings account. Yeah. But I think it's also important to try to make a habit of like, I use Fidelity and like, I have them draw out X amount of dollars a month into your brokerage, into my brokerage accounts, just to make sure it's happening. And I think a good trick is, for example, Fidelity has two zero cost ETFs right now. They have a total market and international ETF and zero cost, zero BIPs. It's not only Fidelity. I think like a ton of brokers. No, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. just giving the, and that's for, if you're a Fidelity user, I think a lot of other brokerages now offer. So to me, that's an easy way to like not even think about it. And if I want to go back later and maybe pick a stock or try to think of an investment, I could sell that down and go do it. But at least for now, you want to be careful, not just to move the money over, but like, I think it's important to kind of get it invested. And so at least I have that automatically set up so that if I don't have time, it's at least going somewhere and getting into the market. And so it can start generating, you know, its own income, my savings. Yeah. yeah. The other question I have always is I'm curious about like the tech implementation of things that could help you make your life easier. And I know you're pretty tech knowledgeable here. <laughs> what kind of apps, what kind of things are you using to help you out? First off, I think you'll find a lot of the banking apps, their mobile apps are actually becoming a lot more tech savvy and helpful for understanding your spend. So for example, like we use Chase and they do a really good job of like categorizing everything, all your spend for you. And they show you kind of what you're spending year to date. And so I think that's becoming a new tool I'm using to kind of check on how things are going. And then the other thing I recently discovered was an app called Albert which is kind of interesting. You know, they have a uh, free version and you can pay for, they call the genius functions. But right now the free version is actually really helpful. What they do, which is interesting because I, I think what's tough for a lot of folks with saving is like understanding like, well, when do I save? How do I pull it out? And what Albert does actually is it automatically figures out your spending and your income and 
smartly kind of figures out ways to draw cash out into a rainy day fund. And if you pay for the more advanced version, which I think could be really helpful to some folks, if you don't want to do as much time budgeting and maybe building the budget is you could actually create multiple different funds with them. So you could have like a fund for maybe a trip for college beyond just the rainy day, which is all that's available in the free version. So I've actually found that helpful for me in terms of it draws out maybe 50 bucks here, 30 bucks there from my checking account into a rainy day fund I could use later. No, that's a very important point where like people don't know when to save and how much to save. And so some kind of app doing that work for you is really helpful. Mm -hmm. I know the Bank of America has something similar also, which helps them do it. I think it's coming. It's like a lot of banking institutions realize that this is a service that a lot of people like and are starting to offer it. Yeah. And like, you know what Albert's doing, which is kind of like what I explained earlier, but doing it more seamlessly is like, if you wanted to bump up to the paid version, they'll draw the money out and invest it for you. And so what's nice is like all that's automatic. Whereas like I had to go set up with Fidelity to like get the draw out. Then I had to go like set up to like how to invest it and still like, well, I got those couple rules in place. It's still kind of a very passive, dumb way of investing, not a derogatory way, but I'm just saying like, it's not like you can create some kind of trading algorithm easily to like how you actually maybe want to invest. Right now, I'm just kind of doing what's the easiest way just to get my money out of my checking account into at least something that's in the market. And so I think you're seeing apps that are trying to make that more fluid. So it's like, okay, now I'm going to take your money out. I'm not going to put it into a savings account, which doesn't make much. I'm actually going to invest it into the market and I can invest in a way based on like how you might want it, like parameters like you'd maybe see with like a betterment, for example. I have another question here about budgeting. Like, do you actually go and review individual transactions for the month? How does it work? How do you follow up? Do you categorize your spending? Do you- yeah. So that goes back to, I think it's knowing when you want to drill in, when you want to rise up more. And so I look more broadly. So like, for example, when I create the budget, you kind of know what's fixed, know what's variable. The way I think about it is like I have variable common costs that are paid from our joint account and I have like my costs that's paid on my allowance. And so I look more for like what that budget should be per month. And so if, for example, we should have $1,000 a month of common costs right now, which would be a lot related to kind of the baby and just some other like groceries, for example, I don't really care whether we spend a little bit more on diapers or we spend a little bit more on groceries. I'm looking more to see, like, I know that that monthly payment should be like, for example, thousand dollars. And so I'm kind of looking for that. And, you know, I do check through the month because it's easy now with the mobile apps to kind of see where you are towards that goal. So I could you know, say, oh my God, like we've been spending a lot, you know, maybe next week let's cool it off a bit. I don't really care as much if I spent more shopping or I spent more dining. I'm looking more at like, I know my budget is X and I know when my payments do and I'm looking to see how I'm, I'm going to that goal. And I'll say, okay, I spent a little bit more this week. I might try to spend a little bit less next week. So then the other question that comes up is, If you're doing that kind of more global view, you project forward, meaning like, let's say you got invited to a couple of weddings here and there. Do you take that into consideration when you're planning your budget? Yeah. Is it more like a fixed or that go into the allowance part? Yeah. So that goes into my allowance. And that's why I think of it more in a broader category. For example, I have a bachelor party coming up next week. And so I know that's coming. And so I'm going to try a couple more meals this month, right? Because I know that's not going to be cheap. That makes sense. So the last question I have is for folks that are trying or going to want to get started with this, like how would you recommend them going with this going forward? What is the process someone would have to take in order to 
budget from the beginning? I would look online. I think there's probably some templates I could guess. You know, I wouldn't try to just do it right from scratch. There's a really good tax asset calculator. I use that. It's a pretty good starting point. It shows kind of not just federal taxes. It can also show state taxes for those of you that are in states that have an income or maybe a state income or a city tax. And so I find that helpful. So I kind of put in what my expectant salary is for the year, you know, deduct taxes, deduct your pay your pre-tax benefits that you might be paying for, and then you can kind of set your budget from there. I think you can look online for rules of thumbs in terms of when you're setting your budget, you know, how much rent should be of your gross or net income, depending which way you want to try to calculate it from. Yeah, it's a little bit different here in New York. Sure. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, there's rules of thumbs you should look at in terms of how much gross rent should be, of how much like savings should be. And I think that will make it easier to start your budget when you have those levers to start with. So at least you have an initial framework you can build from. I think another helpful tool would be just maybe take your last tax year and kind of look at what your income was and what your taxes actually owed were as a double check to kind of see what you paid to make sure. Because I think the biggest fear in my mind is I'm never going to be hundred percent right on my taxes because things change every year, but like trying to be conservative and getting that right. Cause nothing's worse than having to write a big check at the end of the year. Yeah. Nothing is worse than thinking that you saved X amount. And then suddenly you might have to give that up to pay the taxes of the year. I mean, most folks I would say are withholding the right amount, but if you didn't last year, if you found that you had to pay money, I think you should go back and just check your withholding to make sure it's the, the correct amount. Well, and that's why, honestly, I don't trust kind of my pay stubs because it is easy for it to be slightly off and it's going to be off, period, what's withheld from your paycheck. But it's just going to be degree off, right? And you don't know what degree, whether it's positive or negative and kind of the amplitude of it. What I'd rather do is, you know, calculate the taxes myself or use one of these kind of tax websites as a sanity check to make sure that you didn't accidentally take too many withholding allowances. And so you think you're getting a great kind of paycheck every two weeks, and then you realize that you were just way underholding in terms of your taxes. You don't want to be stuck in that scenario. That's why I like to start from what's my gross pay. Let me triangulate a couple different ways what I think my taxes are, and then maybe pick the most conservative of the ways I look at it, and then make my budget from there. That makes sense, actually. I usually start off with a net pay, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an important point, but I'm also a CPA and I, <laughs> I know how to plan for taxes and account for them. But I understand like most regular folks are not CPAs and I don't recommend them going that path. <laughs> it makes sense to make that sanity check before. I'll give a perfect example is that if you're married and both you and your wife have disparate incomes, let's say one of you has a much higher earnings than the other. If you both file on your W-4, married filed jointly, for example, whoever has the lesser income is not going to be taking enough taxes because it doesn't know what the other person is making. If you have pretty similar incomes, you'll be more okay. But that's, I mean, there's all these slight nuances that will cause your net pay to be, I think, a, a poor indicator of what your take-home pay is that you should be budgeting. For. Yeah, just to give you a little... News tidbit here, they're going to redo the W-4, which is the main form that you submit to your employers at the beginning of your job to figure out what your withholding will be. They're redoing it. And based on my understanding is that it will look much more similar to an actual tax return. So they will go into way more detail and it's going to be something that it's not going to be like a form that you submit and that's it. Now it's actually going to be a form that you might want to have an accountant help you out with it. 
I mean, that'd be amazing. But will it be able to understand, though, if you have a second source of income from a wife or husband, though? Yeah, it will actually take into consideration many more sources of income. From my understanding, it will look at like your income, your spouse's income, your dividend income, interest income, partnership income. It will look at different sources of income and try to get that number done. I mean, that'd be incredible because I think the biggest issue, and that's why I'm saying kind of a, calculate your own taxes, because if you have one source of income, it's easy. And the W-4, it's easy to fill out and get that pretty accurate. It's when two people are working, when you have capital bonuses. gains, you have bonuses, et cetera. That's when it's really easy for it to get thrown off. And so that's why I'm pretty um, heightened to that risk. On my side, I use Tiller, tillerhq.com to help me do the budget categorization. Essentially, it's a service that downloads all your transactions into a Google spreadsheet and then provides you with some templates and then you categorize them and it creates the budget for you. You obviously have to set the allowable amounts that you want to be able to spend over the course of the year, but it's a simple thing that you can do. And this is in Google Spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. I can manipulate the data there and create graphs and beautiful things. It's like art for me. I'll ask you a question, Gabe, because I think we have pretty different budgeting methods. You know, I'm more a big category and kind of spend between there. You seem to be more into categorizing all your spending. What do you get from that? How does that help you when you're looking at, code? this is my food budget, this is my clothing budget, this is my drinks budget, et cetera. How does that drive your budgeting decisions? So categorizing isn't such a time suck for me because we don't have so many expenses per month. For me, it's a sense of control. It's a sense of understanding of where the money went in the last month. And so that is the big driver for me to categorize the spending. And then on the other hand is the template I'm using goes forward 12 months, basically. And so I'm able to set a budget for each line item going forward. And it helps me really think where my spending will go next year. So for example, we have two vacations planned. And I know they're going to be one is going to be December, January, and the other one will be probably in August, September of next year. And so I kind of want to budget for that already. And so just understanding where my spending is going is really helpful. And then also figuring out how much I'm able to save and if that is aligned with my savings target. And I know like that stuff and what you're doing is very similar. I think the main difference is just a sense of control of where the spending is going. Yeah, exactly. Because I think I like the freedom of not having to think exactly the bucket. And it's more just like how much, you know, I know I have X dollars I can spend this month. And so if I need to buy a new pair of shoes, I can make that choice without going over my clothing budget. And then I just know, hey, eat Chipotle a couple extra times. Don't go to a steak restaurant. And it'll balance out, right? <laughs> Whereas I think it'd be a little bit harder if I was thinking by that kind of categorization that you're talking about. Yeah, definitely the categorization will. So essentially I have an overall budget for discretionary and an overall budget for fixed. And the fixed surprisingly remains constant over the past months. And so that's actually what you want. But then the discretionary one is the key variable. And so there we have a kind of like hard stops at certain times where like, you know, if we spend X amount, then, you know, I send out an email to my wife because I do the budget categorization most of it and say, hey, you know, we hit this amount. Let's try to stop spending for the last like 10 days if possible, or just delay the spending to the next month. And so yeah, I do kind of do an overall bucket also like you do, but I like to see where actually the spending went. So that's the main difference, but that's it. I mean, like I don't have much budgeting is simple, right? It's just you have to get on it. 
No, for sure. And I think it's actually helpful. And especially for couples. For couples, yeah. And especially for big things like when you're thinking Blame about the budget. buying a house or, or buying a car, you know, when you make the budget the bad guy, it makes the conversation a lot easier in terms of thinking about what you can afford and what you can go get. Yeah, definitely. Very good. That's all we have for budgeting. Look forward to have you on the show going forward. This topic is why a spending plan can really help you or like a budget. The next topic will be how should your banking and credit card structure look like? That's actually a strategic kind of way of thinking. Like you have your accounts set up and how the transactions move between them. So that's the topic for next week. Thank you for being on this show. Thank you for having me. I just want to thank Brett for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge on budgeting. It's been great for me on a personal level to bounce off some ideas with him. I took away a lot of stuff from this interview. And there was a couple of things that happened after the interview, which we talked about that will probably have an impact on the next episode on the banking structure and how you should organize your credit cards, your transfers from one account to the other. I think Brett is really a smart guy and really thoughtful. It really shows in the way he has these things organized. Let's move on to the mailbag segment where we answer questions from the audience. And we have a question from Monica. Monica is asking, what are some good tips around budgeting? And so we have certain tips here that we consider kind of like rules of engagement around budgeting. And so I do budgeting every month with my wife and I try to budget the next month before the month begins. It's very helpful. And usually what I do is I look at my calendar. I see what events are happening, what things are going to happen. Let's say we're going up to my wife's grandmother's house. And so we want to consider transportation to there. We don't have a car and we have a baby. So we want to make sure it's easy to travel there. So sometimes we take an Uber to Grand Central and then we take the train up. And so that's a little bit costly. So we need to account for that. I am going away in September. I will be at some conferences so that, you know, I need to account for some of the transportation going to the airport. I need to account for some of the meals I'll be eating outside. Maybe our grocery bill will be lower because I do the grocery shopping. My wife doesn't eat if I don't buy her food. And then the second thing is usually we want to try to figure out where every single dollar is going to go. And so I have two default accounts if I don't know where they're going to go. One is miscellaneous spending. And the other one is I want to target a savings goal for the month. And I have a target goal for the year. And usually I try to have them match, but it's not always possible. I do track every expense. That's a recommendation. Like you should categorize every single expense. You should know where it goes at least. You want to review your spending habits. You want to set a realistic budget. And then you want to make sure that you budget for some semi-annual or quarterly expenses. These are expenses that happen every now and then, but they're not monthly. And so think of it as insurance. There's some other payments that are not monthly. And so make sure you take those into account. For those who have owned homes, property taxes are not paid monthly. They're usually paid semi-annually, at least in, I think, in New York. And you want to save for the big purchases. So you want to budget for that. And finally, the last tip is you need to give yourself some slack. Budgeting is hard. Budgeting is not fun. Make sure you include some fun in the budget so that you can go out and have some fun. 
those are kind of like the tips that I recommend. Some of the things I learned from my budgeting experience. Now let's move on to trivia. This is my wife's favorite section. How does this work? Go to moneybagel.com slash trivia and answer this episode's questions. This is episode four. The person who answers all questions correctly and the fastest will get extra points. Everybody else gets one point per question. At the end of the year, I'll aggregate all the points and the winner gets a surprise. So the questions for today are the following. Which is the largest island in the Mediterranean Sea? Second question is, who was the first American to go into space? Third question is, what U.S. state has the highest GDP per capita? And so those are our three questions. And that concludes this week's episode. Next week, we're discussing the best ways to structure your banking and credit card accounts. It's essentially trying to take the next step after budgeting and implementing that budget in the most efficient and responsible way. Did you like this episode of the Money Bagel Show? We'd love if you could subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Opinions voiced in this material offer general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All performance references are historical and no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested in directly. Gabriel Kaplan or The Money Bagel Show are not affiliated with or endorsed by any firm or governmental agency.